Welcome to the Flight Safety Detectives. Hosts John Golia and Greg Fife, two of the world's most respected aviation safety experts, talk all things related to aviation and aerospace. This podcast and the Flight Safety Detectives YouTube channel are brought to you by the Professional Aviation Maintenance Association, PAMA, and Avemco Insurance, a world-class provider of aviation insurance and your one-stop for all general aviation insurance needs. Get a customized quote at avemco.com or give them a call at 888-879-0389. Tell them you're a listener of the show and receive a 5% discount. Now it's time to buckle up because it's wheels up for the latest episode of Flight Safety Detectives. Well, hello, John. It's another episode of Flight Safety Detectives. And uh, you can tell by my background, I'm back in my undisclosed location, uh, the typical secret work that I'm doing, which is investigating aircraft accidents all over the world. It just never ends. And uh, unfortunately, this was a busy week out uh, here, especially over the weekend in Colorado. We had a, a two fatal accident uh, at one of the airports that I uh, frequent. And so uh, it's, it's sad that uh, we have been, we've had an escalation in general aviation accidents, which uh, you and I will start dissecting again uh, later on in, uh, in the month as far as uh, our shows are concerned. But we have a special guest with us today, and I wanted to turn it over to you so that you can introduce Jim Bjorn. Well, Jim, I'm glad to have you with us today. And, you know, as the former technical director at Flight Safety Foundation, and you know what, maybe it's a good idea if we just have you explain the role of Flight Safety Foundation in aviation. It's been around since a long time, really for me. Now, it's for been me. around since a long time. Come on, John. You could. Because <laughs> I couldn't remember how long. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you've been around since the Wright brothers. So, Jim, you got to explain how long is a long time. <laughs> okay. Actually, 1947 is a long time. Uh, it's when the foundation was formed uh, by Jerry Letter, who uh, many people who in aviation safety know is known as the father of aviation safety. Uh, Jerry worked on, uh, he pre-flighted the Lindbergh's airplane before he flew over the Atlantic. Uh, and he also worked on the Challenger accident. So that's a pretty big spectrum of uh, expertise. Uh, and so uh, the foundation was formed basically to make aviation safer. Uh, of course, back in the, those days, 47 and, and forward from there, it was a lot of things to do. And uh, uh, Jerry was uh, formed up the did uh, self-sealing fuel tanks, a lot of projects like that. The foundation evolved into doing uh, projects like approach and landing accident reduction and uh, bringing that to the forefront. Uh, one of the things they really did was seated accidents, a big study on that, which People knew we were going on, but when the actual data was all presented in that nice, neat format, it was like, wow, there is a problem. So the foundation has continued to do that and uh, continued to kind of be at the forefront of looking at challenges. Uh, they don't do things kind of by themselves. The, the foundation is a, a, a foot to coalesce, for instance, with the approach and landing. There were 45 different organizations that contributed to that study and that effort. 
foundation coordinates them, the foundation publishes the results. And that way you can get Boeing and Airbus to work together. Uh, you can get Pratt and Whitney and Snackman. You, you can get all the various people out there responsible. They don't have to worry about you know, their little niche because they're part of the big picture. When we did runway excursions, we had uh, manufacturers and regulators and everybody because it's an issue, it's a challenge. And foundation is the place, okay, let's go to them and work with them on it. So that's kind of what the foundation does. And Jim, uh, with that explanation, one of the things that uh, has has always, at least uh, I've, it's been brought to my attention, is that when you mentioned Flight Safety Foundation, all, uh, people have a tendency to think, ah, it's just big airplanes, it's business type corporate aviation. It really doesn't apply to general aviation. And I know that Flight Safety Foundation uh, really addresses the spectrum, little airplanes to big airplanes. Right, yeah, the foundation uh, tries to, look at the full spectrum and it's surprising. Obviously there are some major differences that you can come with wrapped off your head, but when you look at what the real challenges are, find out that, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of airplane you're flying, approach and landing accidents are a problem. You know, runway excursions are a problem, whether you're in a little airplane or a big airplane. Obviously big airplanes get more attention, more people, et cetera, but the solutions to the problems aren't all that much different. So. Uh, they, they try to make sure that they cover the spectrum when they come up with a challenge and come up with some uh, uh, ways to address the challenge, some interventions. They're usually applicable to all levels of aviation. And then with, uh, with regard to uh, the studies that the uh, Flight Safety Foundation does, um, I know that they have a, a very long reach worldwide where we get some good information through the foundation. And one of the things that I use, at least when I was with the NTSB and I now use in my current business are a lot of the studies. Um, how are those studies determined as far as, I know that like, I mean, we've got a, an excursion problem to this day. We're still running big airplanes off the side of the runway, off the end of the runway. We can't seem to fix that problem even though I know the foundation has addressed it, there's been just a lot of coverage in aviation publications uh, trying to address that. The manufacturers out um, doing their thing with corporate operators as well as airline operators worldwide, but we're still running airplanes off the runway. How does the foundation pick those subjects to really uh, get into it and, and do that study or do a study? Well, it's interesting you should ask that because uh, when I joined the foundation in 1998, was right when they were at the leading edge. Uh, they were, had, had just started the approach and landing action summary uh, and the study itself resulted in the ALR toolkit and a bunch of products. But the way it came about and some of the, the things uh, are still this way is, uh, and CAS started then too, although the CAS was a little bit after that. But I think CAS is an example of what the foundation did, which is, they use data. I mean, like I said with the CFIT, when we started putting out CFIT numbers, people went, well, yeah, I knew that's a problem, but wow, it's killing three quarters of people that we have are in CFIT accidents, approach and landing accidents. I mean, when we did the runway excursion study, it took us a year to have people stop saying runway excursion and, and say, okay, this is a problem. Most of the people involved in the runway safety study were runway incursion, and because obvious reasons, uh, you know, yep. uh, and things like that. Yet, when you looked at the excursion numbers, 
it was phenomenal. It's like there's probably 50 to 60 times more excursion accidents, and most of the incursion are not accidents, they're incidents. So data was the big key to that. And of course, you'd get someone, uh, an incident or a problem came up for a challenge for one of the manufacturers, and you'd come to the foundation and say, hey, we're having problems with this. And we, again, the foundation had broad reach, and we would go out to the membership and say, okay, is this a problem for people? And if they agreed, and then we would, again, form a group with manufacturers, regulators, et cetera, and, and take a, a look at it, study it, and see what we could come up with. So, uh, and, the thing that I, and the thing I really appreciate about uh, the publications that come out of the foundation are not only how thorough they are, but they are very comprehensive. Uh, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the studies have recommendations and things like that, which I think are beneficial to all aviators, not just the guys who fly the aircraft, but to anybody that's in aviation, because it gives you a broader spectrum or at least a better understanding of the global picture with finite detail about specific things um, like the runway study um, and of course, approach and landing accidents and things like that. Yes, yeah, it, it, we, we, we found when we did the approach and landing accident study and then came out with our toolkit and I went around and did about 50 workshops around the world on, on that. And it was interesting that every region had its own differences, but the basics were the same. I mean, yeah, this might've been more of a problem somewhere else, but, oh, by the way, we found this and they're going, yeah, that's true. And, and again, the, the DACing, when the foundation came out with it, it was not like oh, the foundation did this. It was Boeing, Airbus, and all the people that contributed. It's like, this isn't just our, this is real data and it's supported by all the organizations that do aviation. So it had a lot more push behind it and a lot more credibility to it. Great. And now you've transitioned. Um, you are, uh, I believe, the director or the CEO or the chairman of uh, the, the the Laura Barber Taylor Award. Uh, no, I, I am I, I'm the uh, I'm on the board of directors and I am the chairman of the award committee for the Got Laura it. Taylor Barber Award. Right. And can you explain that award? Um, you know, again, uh, you've taken on this role and uh, this award has been around for quite a while. And, uh, but it's a prestigious award because it recognizes a certain aspect of aviation. Yes, yeah, and the award actually uh, got, was originated in 1956, so not long after the Flight Safety Foundation. And uh, it's named after Laura Taylor Barber, obviously, who was uh, uh, a uh, wife of a minister in Tennessee, and she had gone to Pittsburgh for a visit, family visit, flying back to Tennessee in a DC-3, and uh, the aircraft had a CFIT accident in West Virginia. Uh, all aboard were killed, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, the, the family got a sizable insurance payment from that and, and kind of went, well, we should do, what, what can we do with this? So they went to actually the Flight Safety Foundation, uh, Jerry Letter and a lady named Gloria Heath, who was kind of, uh, synonymous with Jerry in, in things doing at the foundation. And this award was conceived to basically recognize achievements in aviation safety. And it wasn't specifically 
air crew, mechanics, whatever. It was research. It was any, anything that contributed to aviation safety. And so uh, the award started in 56. Uh, there have been 66 of them, obviously. We've had one a year. We've had, uh, I think, six honorary ones, which was uh, Gloria Heath for one of them. Uh, <clears throat> Sir Stuart Matthews, who you probably remember is the head of Flight Safety Foundation. Uh, Paul Russell and uh, Jay Pardee, who were instrumental in the cast work. They were honorary. And so every year we have uh, the selection committee takes nominations, which are now uh, out in the world. They're doing the third of May, uh, June, I should say, third of June. And then we will have our meeting and select a winner. And then that winner will be presented at the International Seminar uh, for the Flight Safety Foundation. Uh, and uh, it will be, let me see, 66. It will be, yeah, this will be the 67th. And it's a citation, it's a medallion. And more than that, it's just recognition of the work they've done in aviation safety. John, you have a question? Uh, I've been waiting for you to say something because I'm I'm an awardee, and I've been waiting for you to to pick up on your usual banter. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was getting to that. I was going to eventually, you know, jab you with that one, but uh, I didn't want to give all the glory away early on. Um, but you are an award winner, and and what does what did the award, and what does that award mean to you, John? It means a a heck of a lot. It means recognition for many, many, many years of, of feeling like a preacher, feeling like you're beating your head against the wall, trying to get people to listen to some of the problems, uh, trying to beg people to get involved, to find solutions. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy talking safety, no matter what industry you're in, because it's almost like a preconceived notion that safety is going to cost money, it's going to cause problems, uh, which is not always the case if it's done right. You know, and today we've got an SMS system that's that's in the business, and it really is a management tool. It's not really, it's it's a misnamed, I think, but it's a management tool to deal with the operation and it allows the, the senior executives to see the granular level of their own operation and see the problems that otherwise would escape them and uh, being able to address them before they become big financial hits. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, um, it, it's really difficult to get people to focus on, on the safety side of it as a business tool. Hey, Jim, with, uh, with the, the winners like John and, and the 66 others um, or 65 others, what, you know, uh, uh, as far as their particular message, I mean, they won the award for their efforts and their contributions. How, how are their contributions continued, you know, into the future uh, for somebody that won the award 10 years ago or 30 years ago? Um, what, how is that kept alive? And, and of course, how are they recognized, like John's talking about with SMS? That evolved through a variety of different tools, people, organizations, and that kind of stuff. How do we how do we carry forward these contributions that really started with Jerry Letter? Well, that that is an 
a challenge. Uh, some of the people that won the award, uh, I, I'm looking down the, the list here, and some of them, John, obviously, is the, the one that you already mentioned. Uh, uh, actually, the award winners, interesting enough, one of our procedures is that the award winner each year is offered a seat on the award selection committee for the next three years so that oh, well. they, uh -huh. they get to use their expertise and, and their background to look at the folks like that. Uh, our award committee uh, right now has people on it like Peggy Gilligan, okay, head of FAA safety, uh, Nancy Graham, head of ICAO safety, uh, uh, Dick Healing, former NTSD board member, uh, Robert Sumwalt, uh, again, a former Laura Tabor Barber Award winner, winner and uh, of course, uh, past chairman of NTFB. So we have a lot of expertise on the award board, and we augment that every year and hope to carry forward, as you said, with some of their lessons and learn things like that as we go forward to the next year. Does the, uh, does the Tabor, uh, and I, I believe the Tabor Foundation, um, you know, also does their their recognition besides Flight Safety Foundation. But is there is I mean, do these folks go out there that are award winners and, and either by, uh, you know, part of their winning uh, the award, they go out and, and actually give presentations on behalf of uh, the award foundation and, and things like that so that those efforts are specifically recognized because of the award or is it just something that's mentioned? I mean, I, I, because of the prestige of this award and the, and the fact that you do have a very uh, good selection committee and you have to look at the accomplishments because everybody who flies safely will say, hey, I'm a safety expert, I'm a safety professional versus you know all of the contributions people like John have, have made to uh, to you know this thing we call aviation, and really it, it expands now into aerospace as well. Um, do they go out there and preach their message, if you will, on behalf of the foundation? Well, the, indirectly, not, not directly. They, they don't go out as a Lord Taylor Barber Award winner and do that. However, they do that in terms of uh, their their current positions uh, once they're recognized, and also. Interestingly enough, over the last three to four years, we've started a scholarship program, and they've gotten involved with that with the younger generation. I'm sure I know John deals with this all the time with the, with the students and, and kind of letting them see some of the uh, recognition, some of the accomplishments, some of the, you know, the work that's gone into making and getting us where we are now. So, uh, yes, they, they don't directly go out on like a speaking tour, but they do spread the message. And then with regard to the scholarships, and I know John might be familiar with this because of uh, his position at Vaughn, but um, like for a student to receive one of the scholarships, what, what are uh, the, the, um, the panelists or the judges looking for when they, uh, when they review an application for a scholarship winner? Uh, I, I, I'll answer that vaguely because I'm not on a scholarship committee. But I do know that, that the process is pretty much left up to the organization. John, please help me out here with Vaughn, in Vaughn's case, because you know, you're probably involved. Is it, We go to an aviation university and, and say, okay, we this year have five scholarships that we can award to your students. And then we kind of tell them, okay, you tell us what five students 
Now, of course, we look at them, we, we review them, but we we're not directly involved in the selection process. The, unit, it. the, the college itself, is that correct, John? That's how Vaughn does it, I believe. Right, right. The, the, the teachers actually select right. know, a, a number of students and then uh, the, the committee selects the winners. So in, uh, in the case of Vaughn, I think we had five proposed and two were selected. Yeah. So, yeah, the faculty gives them the basically finalists and then however many scholarships there are, that's how many the top, the top two or three, however many there are, are the ones that are awarded. Great. Well, that's good. And, uh, and then are those winners recognized as well at the, uh, the formal award ceremony? Yes, they're, they're recognized then. They also uh, are recognized at, at their colleges and are put on the website and they, they you know, get special lapel pins, et cetera. And of course, for them, the biggest thing is they get some money towards their education, which is the biggest award they can get. And uh, so it works out well. Right, and Vaughn, given the fact that it's a, a inner city school and the, the, uh, the student body is prim primarily uh, disadvantaged. So it was really a great help for those students to get the financial help uh, to pay for books and pay for, for uh, part of their education. And the schools do make a big deal out of them. In fact, uh, Vaughn had a, had a uh, luncheon at the... Uh, TWA hotel at uh, JFK where the Connie is. So they had a big deal for the students uh, at the, for the Barbara Award there. So it, yes, they make a big deal out of it. They spread the word and it, it's, uh, help, it really is helpful for a number of students. And then finally, uh, Jim, when is, uh, when is the uh, award presentation? I know you were talking that the, the nomination period is coming up to a close on, in June, but when is the uh, formal award ceremony? Okay, the 3rd of June is the uh, close of nominations for this year. Uh, and on the Laura Caber Barber website or on the Flight Safety Foundation website has a link to it, uh, is the Laura Caber Barber LTVAward.com where you can actually put a nomination in. Uh, we'll review those. We'll choose a winner in uh, June. And then it, the award will actually be presented at the International Seminar, which uh, I believe has not been officially designated yet. It's in November, and I believe it's going to be in the U.S., but I don't believe the foundation has finalized, so I, I can't say exactly the date or the place, but the, it, that's where it's presented, at the International Air Safety Seminar. And this is a worldwide, this is a worldwide award, so it's not just you know, for the folks here in the United States, uh, I, I believe just, uh, you know, off the air discussion with you, you said that we had a number of uh, international winners over the past 10, 12 years. Oh, yeah, I, I can go just, I'll just go down a quick list here. Last year, uh, Henry Borgi, Canadian from the KO. Uh, John, of course, the year before that, Cameron Ross from Australia, one the year before that. Uh, Tay Tiang, uh, Singapore, before that, and then Peggy Gilligan. Ken Smart from the UK. Uh, so yes, it, it's it's not just a US award. It's a performance and aviation safety award wherever they may be. And as you can see, the, the award committee, as I mentioned, the names are pretty familiar with what's going on, not just in the US, but in the world. And so we, I think we recognize some very worthy people. Uh, and in fact, it, it, it's, it's difficult uh, we don't get a lot of, a lot of nominations. We normally get about five to ten nominations in, 
which isn't many, and you think it would be easy, unfortunately, uh, when you've got people like the winners we've got here, and I haven't mentioned uh, end of the year, Teddy Gilligan won it. The, the said runner-up was Paul Russell hmm. from, with the, the uh, you know, cast group. And so yeah. it, it, it's tough when you, you don't name, but when you get down to the, okay, these two look like good candidates and you're only going to present one this year. And it's like, so we had a lot of quality uh, candidates and it, it's a difficult but enjoyable process to chair the award committee. That's great. John? Well, I can tell you that it's a great honor uh, to have been selected by the awards committee. And uh, we're gonna do our best to promote it as much as we can in the international community because we really need to have all of us in aviation, regardless of where we're from, on the same page for safety. Well, great. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us today and, uh, and giving us a little background on both Flight Safety Foundation and uh, the Laura Tabor Barber Award. Um, again, for our audience, you know, these, you know, we, we we're, John and I are always talking aviation, aviation safety, we dissect accidents and that that's what really piques the interest of the folks that uh, listen or watch our show. But these types of awards, I think, um, you know, at least bring recognition to the people who are trying to do what they can to enhance aviation safety. John and I do it in a variety of different ways, but it's kind of like a mechanic. And John and I have talked about this in the past. You know, the pilots get the glory, but they also take the uh, the brunt of it when they when they put an airplane down somewhere other than an airport. Um, the mechanics, though, are always working in the shadows, and there's some great maintenance technicians that uh, that haven't really been recognized. John does his part with his uh, maintenance Olympics, if you will. Um, but these are the types of awards that I think people really should understand and look at the history and, and look at the winners to see what their contributions have been. Because without those people, you know, aviation, yeah, it would be safe, but not as safe as it is because they have provided valuable contributions in the arena of aviation safety. So we, uh, we appreciate having you on the show to talk about that. And since I have to live with John on this show and because he is a winner and because I always leave him with the last words for this show, <laughs> I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not kissing the ring, John, but I will turn it over to you <laughs> for our last words. And as always, I am still hopping on pre-flights. You know, if you're going to go flying, the flying adventure starts before you leave your hotel room or you leave your house. Review what's going on. Make sure you look at the weather. Not only where you are and where you're going, everything in between. And make sure you know where you're going to go if something happens in, the be in between. When you get out to the airport, do a very thorough pre-flight. And so many times... We, we hear and see where people do not do a good pre-flight. In fact, there's a report that was just out about an event that happened six months ago with a Qantas 787 that departed with, I, I think the number was six of the static ports covered over. Mm. It flew from Australia to Los Angeles, Melbourne, Australia to Los Angeles. So what's wrong with that? It got out of the hangar with the ports covered, so there's a maintenance mistake made there. 
And pilots did a walk around and it's got bright yellow and bright red uh, tape on these ports. So that, that was missed. And then I'm sure they had instrument problems before they even got off the ground. I mean, really, yeah. those kinds of mistakes, uh, we need to make sure we eliminate them. There's enough risk in flying without adding to it. So do, please do a good pre-flight on your airplane. And after you get in the air, put that head on a swivel. You don't have ATC. You're not flying at 38,000 feet where there's not a lot of traffic. Your GA airplanes are down a lot lower. Put that head on a swivel and keep your eyes open to traffic and everything else. Eyes and ears, because you listen to the radio constantly. But these are all basic things that every pilot should be doing. But looking at the accidents, especially now, with the, with the increase in accidents and student accidents, uh, I mean, it's really, it's really scary out there what we're seeing. You know, the, the, we've got a lot of helicopters now, new helicopters coming in at a, at a record-breaking rate and all that pilot training going on. And we just had recently had another helicopter crash with an instructor on board. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot going on out there that everybody needs to be paying attention to. So, yep. so once you get in the air, please, please, please fly safely. To listen or watch more episodes of this show, go to FlightSafetyDetectives.com, the Flight Safety Detectives YouTube channel, or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. To contact John and Greg about the show, send them an email at FlightSafetyDetectives at gmail.com. And remember, for aviation insurance needs, contact Avemco Insurance at avemco.com or give them a call at 888-879-0389. Mention Flight Safety Detectives and receive a 5% discount. Thanks for listening to the Flight Safety Detectives and remember to always fly safe.